0: This is Paul Kendall. And you are listening to 123 Wildcats. 123
1: Wildcats.
2: Come on, baby, come on.
3: It's a podcast, boys. Welcome to the 123 Wildcats post game show. I'm Neil Amato, joined by state championship game MVP, Brian Fitzgerald. 13 points, 9 rebounds, 4 block shots, and some sweet editing on this podcast. We're going to go back in time for this interview. Brian, it's March 22nd, 1997. We are courtside at the Smith Center. A first-year program trailing by 4 points in the final minute. Where does that belief come from, that the Wildcats can still win?
2: Oh, Neil, Neil, what's up, man? Dude, that was insane. Neil, that was insane. What a shot. We did it. We did it. I told yeah, you we could what do, do talking it. About, go. Go. Yeah, baby. What was the question? Oh, yeah, 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 about the belief. Man, we always had the belief. I think we just expected to win. If we just been on a mission all year long.
3: After your rebound of a missed free throw, you guys get the timeout to set up the final play eight seconds left, trailing 59-57. How is that play supposed to go?
2: Man, we just wanted a clean look, you know, whether that was a baseball pass or punching it into me or Chris, but I mean, AJ's the quarterback. I mean, he's a general out
3: there. So he just had to take matters into his own hands. And that play doesn't go as designed, but Andy Jones hits the shot that will resonate from Milan, Indiana to Murphy to Manio. Andy said he was worried he might not be able to breathe, after the way you guys mopped him at midcourt
4: and so I've got Chris on top of me like bear hunting me and then a bunch of the other guys jumping off and then all of a sudden it hit me I'm like man if people rush this floor I'm gonna die <laughs> I remember screaming at Chris and all the guys like get off, get off me get off me
3: Brian what moments do you think will stick out most to you about this night when you look back on it 20, 25 years later. In 25 years, I'll probably be
2: posted up in my new flying car somewhere, kicking it with a bunch of robots, man. Shout out to R2-D2. But uh, as far as what stands out, man, it's got to be the shot first and foremost. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I think Andy just hit one of the greatest shots in the history of high school basketball. The other thing I think is just the way we played as a team, as a cohesive
3: unit with the whole greater than the sum of its parts. Man, it was just a dream season. Man, it was just a dream season. To just recap. Daniel Willis scores 24 points to lead Hickory. Paul Kingdom has a team-high 15 for the Wildcats. Kingdom, Fitzgerald, Brad Woolley, and Andy Jones all score in double figures as East Chapel Hill's junior leadership takes over in the final minute of this unforgettable state championship. East Chapel Hill 60, Hickory 59. I'm Neil Amato, and this is 123 Wildcats. Welcome back. This is the bonus episode, the encore for the show about East Chapel Hill's 1996-97 basketball season. The moments right after Andy Jones' three-pointer were frantic. A pile of players right on that big state of North Carolina outline. There were hugs and smiles all around the utter shock of those who played for and rooted for Hickory and thought the Red Tornadoes had the game locked up. The days and weeks after the Wildcats won were maybe not so thrilling, but I wouldn't say they were slow either. Media outlets, including mine, had coverage of the story that went beyond just the next morning's paper or that night's Chapel newscast. Hill.
2: East Chapel Hill High is in its first year of existence. Its basketball team has no seniors, but the Wildcats made history by making it all the way
5: to the state 3A finals.
3: WTVD was on campus the Monday after the game. Interviewing players, students, and principal Dave Thaden.
0: Being a Wildcat has has become something special to a lot of
3: kids. WRAL's Monday newscast also made mention of the game.
5: On Andy Jones, three-pointer at the buzzer.
6: 60-59 over Hickory. East Chapel Hill, the state champs. More coming up.
3: I wrote a follow-up for the Herald Sun's Monday paper. That story was written in the car while my wife drove us to the beach. I also checked in with Coach Hartsfield later in the week as he was transitioning to coaching track. Among the numerous pats on the back he received were congratulatory faxes from college basketball coaches, including one from the UNC basketball office and Dean Smith. More on that basketball office later in this episode. Suddenly, Coach Hartsfield had tournaments calling him, town council and the Chapel Hill-Carborough City schools were asking him to bring the team... To a meeting to be recognized. It was a busy time.
1: Oh my goodness, it was after that, it was like, whoa, okay, this is what happens when you win a state championship. Everyone from Adidas to Nike to people wanting them to play in this wanting them to play in that. Uh, Glaxo was all over us. The East
3: Chapel Hill yearbook editors decided the game was newsworthy enough that the yearbook would get an insert. The book had gone to be printed the two pages were available to students to actually insert into their yearbooks. They used photos with credit from the Durham Herald Sun, and so people got an update for their first yearbook at East Temple Hill High. Chris Hobbs had made a name for himself on the summer camp circuit, and, and the other guys had two, obviously just not uh, as high a level of recruiting interest as Chris Hobbs was, was starting to draw going into his sophomore season. So East Chapel Hill, with every one of its players back from the state championship team, went into the 97-98 season as a hunted team, a favored team, Not not an underdog. Not an underdog. Not an underdog. And they handled that really well. Here's the News & Observer's Tim Stevens.
5: The other thing I remember most about this team is the next year in preseason, I was interviewing Ray. I said, you're defending state champions. He says, we are not. I said, you're not? He said, no. He said, that trophy is in our trophy case. We're not having to fight anybody off. We won that. We were the state champions last year. Uh, I was a Marine. We're not defending a heel. We're not defending a trophy. We just want to win another title.
3: The state championship season, their record was 24-5. and They lost to one 3A school that season, Southern Vance. The following season, East Chapel Hill finished 25-4. That record came against some talented competition. In back-to-back games in December, in the Glaxo Welcome Holiday Invitational at Reynolds Coliseum, they played against future NBA veterans. In their first tournament game, the Wildcats got a basket by Brian Fitzgerald with three seconds left to beat Raleigh's Athens Drive, 57-55. In the tournament semifinals, they faced Hatboro Horsham, a suburban Philadelphia school that featured Matt Carroll, who would go on to play nine seasons in the NBA, and his brother Pat, who was a college and professional player as well. Hatboro Horsham won 45-43, and so East Chapel Hill played in the third place game against Mitchell, South Dakota. Mitchell had lost to Ronald Curry and Hampton High School in the other semifinal. The Mitchell game did not go all that well for East Chapel Hill. In fact, it's the largest margin of defeat in the first two seasons of the program. The final score was 68-52, and in that game, Mitchell's Mike Skinny Miller scored 54 points the thing about Brad you may remember the time he body slammed Mike Miller now Mike Miller is one of the best shooters of his generation he went on to play at Florida he was the NBA rookie of the year in 2001 and in the 2012 NBA finals he makes seven three-pointers on eight attempts to help clinch the NBA title for the Miami Heat Miller tries it again Pointers. Now, in the state playoffs, East Chapel Hill again earned its conference's top seed, going undefeated in the new Triad 3A. They beat Winston-Salem Parkland in the first round, or their first game. They had a first round bye. Then Kernersville Glenn, then Southern Nash in the regional semifinals. Episode 6 offered a closer look at that Southern Nash game, which was against future NFL Hall of Famer 10. Julius Pepper.
1: He's been quiet much of the day so far.
0: Pass is intercepted, and the Carolina Panthers with Julius Peppers, have a touchdown. Six, seven. he reached up, took it, walked into the end zone.
3: Now the Glenn game, going back around, it was another playoff escape by East Chapel Hill. It was similar to the Ragsdale game in 1997. And that Glenn game was against future NBA All-Star Josh Howard. Howard closed out on by Garnett, who has four fouls.
5: It's one-on-one, off the crossover to the rim. Josh Howard schooling the MVP! How do you
3: like that? After the Wildcats beat Southern Nash, they faced Goldsboro High in the regional final. The regional final is the state semifinals. Goldsboro was the only 3A school to beat East Chapel Hill that year. Goldsboro, which had been a 4A school the previous year, but was bumped to 3A in realignment, went on to win the state championship in 1998. The game against Goldsboro was similar, really, to the Hickory game. East Temple Hill had a lead. The opponent got hot. This time, there was no magic at the end for the Wildcats. Their bid to repeat as state champions fell short, but their story is still repeated to this day, to this day.
1: It started with Brian and and Andy and Paul and Brad and the things that he and Eric picked up from those guys, they kept it going. That's what Chris means, you know, to tell guys, this is our tradition, this is who we're going to be.
3: And you know, one thing that's cool about this is the players who were part of that team in that era of East Chapel Hill basketball, they're not living in the past, they're just regular guys. But they're regular guys who share an extra special bond because of what they accomplished back then.
6: I think it was an extremely big confidence booster for all of us going into that season not feeling like we were anything great, but by the end of it had seen uh, how hard work pays off. and experience the joy of that.
3: I bet you it's set
0: up a lot more things than we even give it credit for. Obviously it takes a lot to win a championship. Obviously it's satisfying to win a championship. But also you know we we are so confident about everything after that. So determined to do well. And if you look at most people on the team, we've all done well in life. And I think that's probably one of my biggest takeaways when I think back of, you know about that championship is it puts you on this path of, you know, you can achieve what you put your mind to.
3: Those were the words of the Wildcats Paul Kingdom and then Brad Woolley. In episode four, we told you more about Andy Jones, another one of this team's everyday dads. Andy is not one to talk a bunch about his heroics that night, March 22nd, 1997. But that doesn't mean other people won't bring it up to him. Andy has two such memories. You told me a story sometime that year about being in Myrtle Beach a couple weeks after, you know, I guess it was spring break or whatever, and hearing someone else talk about your shot.
4: I was like by a pool or a hot tub or something. It was late at night and hanging out with uh, another friend of mine. And there happened to be this other group. I don't know where they are from, but they started talking about it. It was some girl like, oh, I was, I saw this, this the high school basketball game and that great shot from that kid from East Chapel Hill. I was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> you know, I joke about it with people with, you know, my wife, we met at Longwood, and the first time she was going to come to Chapel Hill, I was like, hey, I, I just want you to know, like, you know, I didn't talk about the shot or anything like that with a lot of people, and I still don't really. But, you know, I just was like, hey, just, just so you know, like, as we're out, we may, like, somebody may say something or say, hey, I remember that. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And she comes down, and we go to the video store over to rent a, rent a tape in, up at Timberline Shopping Center somebody comes up as we're looking at movies they're like oh man, man I still remember the shot and she's just like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> I thought you were kidding I was like no
3: <laughs> it doesn't mean that other people in Chapel Hill don't bring it up unknowingly to Andy's dad which happened about a year ago at an O2 Fitness Jacuzzi a guy named Gary Marbury somehow started talking about basketball and talking about the East Chapel Hill three-pointer many many years ago and the guy sitting next to him says yeah, Andy Jones is my son. So it's still a discussed moment around town, because really, who could forget it?
6: Yeah, I guess y'all knew that the whole town was just electrified by what you were up to. People were following you and excited by what you were doing, and uh, people were reading the sports pages, and we're just honored to have you here.
3: Mayor Rosemary Waldorf read a proclamation The players were all given a paper copy of the proclamation, which included all the names on the roster, the managers, the coaching staff, and that was one of two events that they attended where they were officially recognized. The other was a school board meeting later that same week. That was about a month after the state championship, which was also around the time that Ray Hartsfield was named the AP Coach of the Year in North Carolina. Ray Hartsfield got a call that I don't want to say it's life changing, but it was kind of a big deal for some of these Chapel Hill players. He got a call about a movie filming and the need for extras who could play basketball. He passed it on to his players, and four of those starters took a trip to gather some information about possibly being filmed for a movie. That movie was Spike Lee's *He Got Game*.
2: And my all-time favorite ball player was Earl Monroe. Oh, the pro? Yeah, he was nice. See, everybody remember him from the Knicks, you know, when he helped win that second championship and everything like that, but I'm talking about when he was with the Bullets down Winston-Salem Stadium. Before that, gave him 42 points a game the whole season, 41.6. The
3: whole season. He Got Game was released in 1998. It stars Denzel Washington, Rosario Dawson, and playing the role of Denzel's son was then a young NBA player named Ray Allen. Here's a clip from Spike Lee's interview with Charlie Rose on why he wanted real players instead of actors.
1: For basketball, you need somebody who can play. And there's no actor that today, I know, that has skills like they could be, like they're pro material. And if you don't have someone who could play like that, that means that it really contains how you shoot basketball sequences.
3: Many college head coaches have cameos in the film. And so too do several East Chapel Hill Wildcats, though you wouldn't know it unless you knew exactly where to look. The opening three minutes of the movie, those scenes were filmed not primarily in North Carolina, but a pretty decent chunk of them were filmed in North Carolina in early August, 1997. East Chapel Hill players and several other local basketball players answered that casting call. Brian Fitzgerald is the first person shown in the film.
2: It must be the farmland around because I will say that the, the rolling hills kind of behind me are pretty. But aside from that, it's a very basic looking driveway hoop.
3: Paul Kindham also makes it. He's shown making an outside shot. It's just the back of his blonde head, but it's definitely Paul Kindham.
6: And I might have this story incorrect, but I wanna say they reached out to Coach Hartfield and they asked for specifically, hey, I hear you have some good white basketball players. I don't know if that's accurate. Maybe somebody made it up.
3: Chris Hobbs was filmed. His shadow appears at about the 155 mark. Taking a shot. It's not his face or his body, just his shadow. Brad Woolley attended the shot, but did not make the final cut, even though he was filmed.
0: So I was there. You know, Brian's the first person you see in the movie. So I'm probably 10 feet away watching him film that. And uh, they filmed my part later in the day, didn't make the final cut. Which is, whatever, the experience was cool.
3: I think he's still mad about that. Fitzgerald is actually in the movie twice. Though the second time is just his shoes, some shadows, and maybe a bouncing ball. Another person who was in the movie twice is former UNC player and High Point University men's basketball coach Scott Cherry.
5: Nobody knew what scenes were gonna be put in there, and I, I was totally shocked. Like, I went to the movie theater when it came out. It was funny, like Derek Phelps and some of the other guys, I don't know if it was Brian Reese or some other guys were in the movie theater with me. The first time it came out, they were dying. I actually got two scenes, and I didn't even know if I was gonna get in the movie, period.
3: Scott Cherry was not the only future Division One coach from North Carolina who made the movie. The second player shown after Fitzgerald was a guy dribbling next to a country store. In a dusty parking lot of that store, the player does a little finger roll. That player, Lavelle Moton, who's now in his 12th season as the coach at North Carolina Central. Lavelle Moton was a player at then Division II North Carolina Central. He was a standout played overseas, professionally for four years. Moten led the CIAA in scoring as a junior with 23 and half points a game. Lavelle Moten, who had one of the best nicknames I think I've ever heard, his nickname at Central was Poetry and Moten, also was invited to play in the prestigious, legendary Rucker Park Summer League in New York City. You're not really an NBA player, I guess, until you experience a Rucker at least one time. That's my definition. Some people that's in the NBA, I don't think, could survive out there. He actually played in the league the summer after he left Central, 1996, and then after playing a year overseas, played there again the summer of 1997.
4: I played at the Rutgers, and I played on Puffy's team, Puffy Combs, and... Mike Tyson was there, Spike Lee was there, you know, all that. And you just you just play, you know, somewhere like it's New York, so everybody that's who's who was out there. When I got home, I was playing at North Carolina.
3: He had come back to the triangle and was working out some with his good friend Jerry Stackhouse at UNC when a basketball office secretary told him about the movie shoot.
4: And she said, Well, How's your basketball game? And she she like you in shape? I said yeah. I said what's up? I said I'm about to leave to go to Israel. And she said Um, when you do that, I said next month. She said well, I got a call today, and Spike Lee is making a movie. And voila.
3: Scott Cherry had his own connection. He was helping out in the office that summer.
5: There was a phone call to Angela Lee, the old secretary. She was on the phone, I believe, with Rick Fox. He was talking to her about this new movie that he was going to be in. They were looking for extras. They didn't want actors per se, but people that had played and looked young.
3: So these guys get picked up in a van super early in the morning. They're paid a flat fee. They're given some food. But basically, most of their day is just sitting around waiting. Do they pay you for a certain number of hours work? Yeah, man, the money was
2: actually good. Uh, we got a cool 40k each and so i mean that really came in handy you know late in the summer
1: this is
0: Brad Woolley and you're listening to One, Two, Three Wildcats. 1, 2, 3 Wildcats. 3 Wildcat
3: no nah,
5: 60 bucks
0: set fee no matter how
3: long that it was takes. it <laughs> that was it. Say, I'm so glad Sixth, you remember this stuff.
5: Oh, I remember certain. I don't remember everything, but I remember certain things. $60, that's what they paid. They called you an extra. They had us meet at a central location at like 4 in the morning. I mean, it was early. There had to be between 6 and 10 of us, maybe? And we literally piled in the van, and they drove out into the country We stopped at someone's house in the front driveway. The first guy got out and they started telling him what to do. And we all just sat there and watched. The first kid you see in the film, he's a left-handed white kid, high school kid. That's the first one we sat and watched. We watched him go through and them film and them tell him what to do. And And we all piled in the van and drove to another location and watched someone else do theirs. This was an all-day event. Now It went from 4 o'clock in the morning till 8 or 9 o'clock at night.
3: And these guys had no guarantees. They were paid and they were told to do something, but very easily, as Brad Woolley found out, their scenes could end up left on the cutting room floor.
4: We just ended up doing our thing. We never knew how it was going to turn out. The first time we ever laid eyes on anything was when the movie came out.
3: Now, they actually went to Winston-Salem a couple days before. The first part was kind of a, uh, a talent evaluation, a recruiting event. Spike Lee and other movie officials basically watched people shoot baskets. They had set up some outdoor portable hoops in the parking lot of Lawrence Joel Coliseum, where Wake Forest plays, and they watched people play. And if they liked them, they would say, okay, you— Come on over with me. They had these storyboards set up, which basically were the scenes they had envisioned, and then they kind of matched players up with the scenes.
6: We went out and met Spike Lee. He saw Chris, Brian, Brad, and I, and then he decided, yeah, I guess these guys are are fine for what we're looking for. So then another day, they picked us up in a van and we drove around the countryside of North Carolina.
3: Notice that Paul Kindham mentioned Chris, Brian, and Brad, but not Andy. Remember, this is summer in North Carolina, and Andy Jones is the football team's quarterback. That's why he didn't go to the He Got Game Casting call.
4: I wasn't as good looking as those guys, maybe. But uh,
3: yeah, I think I, I feel like it was something with football that was going on. It, it makes sense to me. I mean, you're the quarterback. Right. The quarterback kind of has to be there. At least that's what I told myself. <laughs> Brad Woolley and Paul Kingdom were football players, but they elected to miss practice, and they got some grief for it. To every other football player, they were the movie stars.
4: <laughs> that may be true. Probably brought up by our football coach, like, oh, the movie stars are back, you know?
3: <laughs> it's been a quest of mine, perhaps an unhealthy one, to track down some of the exact filming locations teenagers or 20-somethings getting picked up in a van starting their day in darkness would have no idea really where they were being filmed. They can remember some particulars of what the places look like, but it's not like they can say, "Oh yeah, that was, you know, at some country store on Old Jones Road in Stokes County." No, they have no idea where they are.
2: I know no, I don't know exactly where it is. I know it's somewhere in the rural farmland
3: around winston there's some breaking news into the one two three wildcats he got game desk in a project that apparently matters only to me i said it was an unhealthy quest but it wasn't actually fruitless thanks to a phone call with rebecca clark of the piedmont triad film commission and with some google Maps sleuthing i was able to pinpoint the first two baskets shown in the movie or the first two locations one had a basket the other the film crew actually brought a basket to a country store the country store where Lavelle Moten was filmed
6: I hope it's still there it was such a cool little old-fashioned but vacant store and uh, it just had a lot of character (music)
3: Rebecca Clark drove several film location managers all over the triad. The triad is Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point. She took them to an Amish community in Yadkin County and down New Hope Road in Randolph County. That's where Fitzgerald, Woolley, and Moten were filmed.
6: It was a great film to have worked on getting to this area. Spike Lee likes to shoot up in New York, that's his home, but he needed a whole lot of different looks. So, you know, that's why he was branching out. And I really feel honored that he got to come down here and shoot part of um, the movie here.
3: I'll post more about these locations in the show notes for this episode. And on Twitter, I did find one location on my own. And it's interesting, at least to me, because there's a basketball coaching tie-in. Alfonso Key, who was a player at Fayetteville State, knew Lavelle Moton from their days in the CIAA, and is now a high school coach at Cape Fear High School in Fayetteville. He remembers being filmed, he said, at some military academy. It turns out his filming location was Oak Ridge Military Academy, just off nc68 and he's in the movie at about the 52nd mark it's a beautiful blue sky one of the film's photographers jeff tufano pointed out that scene he recalls that in the summer in north carolina after a thunderstorm came through the sky was a more intense blue i talked some with tufano about those credit scenes and he was part of the filming of fitzgerald's and other players clips Some of the players that are in some of these scenes I'm going to ask you about were part of a miracle state championship team. First year school, three grades, and they won the state title on a three-pointer at the buzzer. They were down two. Get out! It's all true. Uh, I'd
0: never heard that story. That's a great story.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they do that in March 97, and then their coach gets a call I'm still not clear if it's because they won a state championship or because they were just calling everybody, but they're like, hey, we need players to possibly be in this movie.
0: Uh, I bet you Spike heard about that. I mean, who wouldn't respond to that story, you know?
3: I also talked to a Charlotte-based member of the film crew, Ben Griffith.
0: What we would have done, we would have just got there early, set up that shot. They set up the goal, everything, get the framing right, everybody's happy, and then just wait for the light to get right. And then we would probably just tell him, him being the, uh, the basketball player, to just go and have fun.
3: And I talked to a guy named Michael Pinckney. Now, Michael Pinckney has gone on to be a director. He was just a young production assistant for that Spike Lee movie. And Michael Pinckney's voice has already been in this podcast at the start of episode two,
1: a Love Letter to Basketball.
3: What Michael Pinckney was referring to there was Spike Lee's vision for that opening scene. I saw you had a production credit for He Got Game 23 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did.
3: <laughs> There's a side story to the movie's filming in North Carolina that I thought you or Spike Lee might like to hear about. And I'm doing a podcast about that story.
1: That's so long ago. You know, I had a blast in North Carolina on that film. But definitely email me. I would love to check out the um, podcast
3: What's Spike's vision, you think, for that scene?
1: That was a scene that was kind of like, you know, showing that everybody loves basketball a- around the country, you know, and that basketball is that sport that brings people together. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than a beautiful layup with the sunset. And, you know, just really connecting everyone together. He Got Game was based in Brooklyn, but it's kind of like we could have did a He Got Game anywhere in the country because there's those ball players, those high school players anywhere that live for basketball. This thing was beautiful at times, you know, especially some of the montages and the cutting and the slow mo. It just—it was a his love letter. You know how much it's like it was basketball, it was a love letter to basketball.
4: This is Andy Jones. And you're listening to one, two, three,
1: In the purest sense, because you know the NBA, you know, there's a commerce and business part of that, but in high school basketball, they're playing for the love. They're playing for the love of it. So that's what I think that was. It's really showing how basketball is loved across the country. The
0: shots were kind of meant to be standalone shots, if you know what I mean. You'll Maybe you'll remember one where the, the camera's low and wide and there's a big blue sky, and they were all meant to be sort of beautifully composed, almost still photographs that then came to life with the basketball.
2: Spike Lee wanted to have an epic hoops intro to that movie that had scenes from all over the basketball world. New York City, Rucker Park style, hoops courts. He wanted, you know, farms and people shooting in their driveways, suburbs and you know, country boys and everything in between,
3: and girls too. A quick word on the reason I came up with the name, in case you're wondering. One, two, three Wildcats. First. East Chapel Hill had three grades. Second, it was a three-pointer that won them the state championship. Third, I like to consider East Chapel Hill the ultimate basketball startup. And so one, two, three just seemed to work as a startup. When you start, you say one, two, three, go. Also, we had the sound clip of the East Chapel Hill huddle with the words that Ray Hartsfield has continued to use for his teams over the years. One, two, three, wild.
0: Hello, this is Jeremy Harn. Both of my sisters went to East Chapel Hill uh, before me and were around the same ages as a lot of the guys who were on the team. I had a hoop in my driveway. I grew up on Foxwood Drive, and Chris walked over to our house one day and, and was shooting hoops. And, man, he dunked on our goal and bent the rim on our home Basketball goal, and even until I was a senior in high school, that that goal was bent. And every day when I would go out there and shoot on it, I, I would just think about like I want to be like Chris Hobbs. I mean, it wasn't I want to be like Mike. It was I want to be like Chris Hobbs, it's just a huge hero of mine. I graduated from East in two thousand eight. You know, I was a starter on that team. I went on to play at UNC Asheville. I've long told people that my oldest basketball memory is when Jordan passed the ball to Steve Kerr in the 97 finals and he hit that shot to win it and I was seven years old. After listening to this podcast, I realized that actually my oldest memory is the shot to win the state title. You know, I was a little kid and I'll never forget what it was like driving back after that state title game and thinking like that could be me and those guys to me were, were my heroes for basketball. That's why I wanted to play.
2: What's up, Neil? So it's B. Fitz, Brian Fitzgerald here, and I know there's some thank yous and some shout outs you need to get in, and uh, I'm going to let you finish, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, take first dibs, man. It's uh, First, it's been a great joy creating this podcast with you, and I want to say thank you then to you for all the amazing work you've done to bring this story back to life. And I will get to some more thank yous of my own, but first I was thinking, Neil, this podcast is a long haul. I was thinking we need to come up with a condensed version, you know, like the cliff notes. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Like the cliff notes. Mm. You good? Yeah. Yeah. Get, get, cool, back, back. I'm about to step up on this track. I ain't about to tiptoe. And if you miss the show, I'm about to hit you with the cliff notes How about Neil? The story that he spoke to about them boys that the East opened up to. East Chapel Hill has dusted off because it happened quite a while back. Episode 1.
3: Completely underestimated.
2: A model had a point, and I'm guessing that he must have made it. Brand new school, no senior. Class, so eager thrown in the deep end
3: fast episode two that's just about the genesis of the team a
2: dream in Lee county where we planted a seed new kids on the block like whoa like
3: whoa tight games out the gate walking on a tight road type tight episode three boot camp boot camp
2: the ionoki now one knows right where his troops at coach yeah straight out of shot Town. coach backs folks that's coach. Coach. coach nothing beats hard work coach no hats in the building keep your hard work close at all times. Time sideline line. work until his hair fades gray, eyeballs are on your face and else you want a baseline, that takes us to episode four, Ringo, 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 Ringo. Ringo has
1: a sexy down, learn
2: more about my point guard there, learn about the clutch shot, jump shot, jump stop stare, learn about the no look, thread the needles on work, looking for the answer like you flipping through the phone book, chemistry. Chemistry. chemistry, chemistry, you see that comes down to friendship, love. It comes right down to what you build up. build up You see it comes down to kinship Something to defend quick Something that you can't make, can't up. make up Don't try to bully We don't play them type of games Bro fits and woolly What you know about Baby Wojo? Episode 6 is,
3: is a tribute to Chris Ain't
2: no other way to flip it That's our brother who we truly miss Don't get it twisted without Chris Would you even have a ring? You could slide across your fingertips No, no, let me tell you no, tell you, no. you see that man was a beast Down low, total pole I'm talking about a beast in the post, don't a freak beast in the post. A beast in the east, ripped the meat from the bone, Long reaching, defeating the foe. Keep cold, keep cold. But there's way more to Chris as a person. Big smile, big hug, teacup slurping.
0: Man, Chris, I love you, brother. I miss you. And I'll see you again someday. One, two, three, wild cat, wild cat, wild cat.
2: In episode 7, seven and, eight, and 8, we talked
3: about the, the postseason escape. With
2: no reason to wait, it's no season to waste. PK floaters to make. We were so eager to face the pressure.
3: And then we called the episode Perspective.
2: For the proper context to the message. In episode 9, took a look down the sidelines to find the red These tornadoes at victory high. Nothing but love and respect for the team. Though that night got to face off in the team dome. A blessing, Coach Smith, check it. Pay respect to the Carolina legend.
3: This is episode 10. All about
2: the game, tell you folks now instant classic. You will hear a bunch of folks now. Coaches, fans, press talking about the showdown. Neil tracked every single person but the Pope down. Yeah. AJ handling the rock, rock, rock. With two seconds ticking on the clock. The shot went up. It's time, frozen stopped. The basketball God spoke and talked. It dropped. It was one of those things. Along came Jones. And it was absolutely nothing but strings, and East Chapel Hill has won the boys 3-8 championship game. Folks, listen. I would love to share more relaxed kick jokes, but this ain't nothing but the Cliff Notes. notes. Cliff Notes. This ain't nothing but the Cliff Notes. This ain't nothing but the Cliff Notes. This ain't nothing but the Cliff Notes. What? (laughs) Nothing but the nothing the cliff, no cliff, nothing but the nothing but the cliff, no, cliff. nothing but the cliff. no, Yeah. Before I say a big thanks to all the interviewees Let me please achieve what I came to achieve But just to put the spotlight just right where it needs to be Believe me, you need to believe what you see When it shines on it, but fits Yes, what do we hear next? All of my teammates whose names you didn't hear yet What? You boys thought I forgot you Thought I had amnesia? Boy, well, you better check with the doctor now We gon' start with the homie to Warren Banks From NY, the left, he had the cross and the ball fakes It's no way I don't give a shout to Scott Poe Scrappy little guard who was ready to lock load, and Jeremy, Barkley, Travaris, Noel, some Chapel Hill legends who could handle it well. And you know me and Chris, old with the ribs of Evan Law, a Stites, and the rest of the bigs. And it was Coop who was repping a brand new squad, and on the bus, he could already do the moonwalk, kicking new raps, rocking dance moves like a new hat. Way before the Dougie, but I bet he but could bet do that. Crouch was tough, he yeah. had bounce for a young lad, and Stanton making moves. I love seeing a proud dad, life goes. On. there's a lot that we've been through shouts to eat double with a buttery party, the spin, spin move. move so now you know you got a taste of the full squad you need the whole team if you really don't take off so thank you fellas for the work that you put in because there ain't no other type there is only a team win team win team win that's a team win there ain't no other type boy there's only a team win team win team win that's a team win there ain't no other type boy there's only a team win First, a big shout out to Sarah, the instrumentalist, who did both of those banging tracks I just rapped on. Thank you. Also a huge shout out to my family and friends. You guys know who you are. I'm ever grateful for your love and support. I love, you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Carpe diem, four humans, silverbacks. Get at me. Get at me. Get to at the, at the me. players, coaches, managers, reporters, refs, families, friends, fans, and lovers of the game who offered your time in Neil's interviews. Thank you for sharing your memories with us. Thanks to everyone who called into the Wildcats hotline. Big shout out to all the amazing musicians whose music we featured in this podcast. Your music set the mood and vibe, and we want to thank you for sharing your talent with us and helping us tell this story. It would not have been the same without you. Check out the show notes on each episode for details about these amazing artists. Big shout out to Kit Diddy, a.k.a. Kit Chow, for recording these two, for recording recording these two, these two verses. verses. And more importantly, thank you for being a great friend. Big shout out to the Hickory side as well for participating in this podcast. Coach Worley, Daniel Willis, Will Johnson, Ty Hunt, Dave Lingefeld, Juju Phillips. You all showed a lot of class, and we thank you for sharing your perspective. Oh, and don't forget to check me out at agentfits.com. It's under construction, but the site is coming soon. How
3: about you, Neil? What you got? I've tried to feature a few local artists who gave me permission to feature them with their music, going to give a shout out to them. One is the group Nikki Meets the Hibachi, which features John Gillespie and Elaine Tola. John Gillespie is a former English teacher at East Chapel Hill. Uh, We had his and Elaine's music in episode six, the episode about Chris Hobbs. At the start of this episode, right after the opening segment, is a song called Control by the group I Was Totally Destroying It. John Booker with the band gave me permission to use some of their songs in the podcast, so thank you to John. I'd also like to thank Greg Humphreys. He's Greg Humphreys of Dylan Fence and Hopex fame, and the song Back in the 90s was featured at the end of episode 9, so thanks to Greg for that. And there's a friend of mine who took particular interest in the podcast, who created I don't want to call it a cover because it's a it's a different version. He adapted the song 8675309 for this podcast. For that, I'll forever be grateful. Thanks, Bob Castle. Thanks, Bob Castle. There are so many other people I can thank to the players and the coaches and so many people that I bugged with the most ridiculous email, text, Facebook, Twitter, message requests. Thank you. That's really all I can say, and man, I bugged a lot of people about a lot of things because fact-checking is not easy, but it was important to me, so thank you for making it important to you. Thank you for listening. Please share this story with people you think might want to hear it. Maybe they haven't heard about it yet. That's the great thing about this podcast. The episodes will stop, but the story will go on. As I said, the repeat fell short in 97-98 for East Chapel Hill, but their story is still repeated to this day.